Lord, we thank you how good you are to us. Lord Jesus, we are thankful this morning for your sweet, sweet presence in this place. Holy Spirit, thank you for doing what only you can do. We truly do stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene today. Lord, thank you for doing what only you are capable of. Thank you, Lord, for making a difference in these services by your power. How good you are to us. Lord, we're thankful this morning uh, for your perfect birth, your perfect life, and the blood that was shed at Calvary. Thank you for grace and mercy that shown to everyone. And thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for saving my soul. Lord, I'm thankful today that you have done for me what I couldn't do for myself. Lord, I'm thankful that you continually work on me. Lord, thank you for working in me. And Lord, today I pray you continually work through me. Speak to me, speak through me, and use me, Lord, today for your honor and your glory. These people need not hear my opinion. They need not hear what I have to say. Lord, what we need is to hear from you, from your truth, from your word. So Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you move me out of the way and you use me today as your mouthpiece to speak your truth to your people. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray and for your sake, amen. James chapter 1 is what I want to look at today. I'm going to be speaking to you this morning on a subject that we all face, each and every one of us. I mean from the pulpit to the door, from the ceiling to the floor, each and every one of us face temptation. All of us do. Now, if, if temptation is something that I'm going to face as your pastor and you're going to face, then we know, need to know how to deal with it. You know, the Bible tells me that we who are in Christ are more than conquerors through him that loved us. If you believe that, more, that this morning, say amen. I love that verse, Romans 8, 37. We are more than conquerors. Conquerors are those who gain the victory. <laughs> Conquerors are those who not only gain the victory, win the battle, win the war, but conquerors are those who walk in victory day by day. And the Bible says those who are in Christ are more than conquerors. I love that. So if that's true, if we are more than conquerors, then we ought to be gaining the victory daily over temptation. I'm telling you, you can, by the power of God this morning, gain the victory daily over temptation. You need to understand that. You need to know that. A lot of people think, well, uh, there's just nothing I can do about the sin I'm dealing with. Yes, there is. If you are a child of God, I'm talking about if you've been blood-bought and born again into the family of God, you can overcome sin in your life. You can overcome temptation that you face. Now, if you don't know Jesus, you lack the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the things you're struggling with. Do you know that? If you don't know Jesus, that means, listen, you don't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And if you don't have God the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, you have no help, no hope against the battle you're going to face with the enemy and with your own flesh. 
But if you are a child of God this morning, you are more than a conqueror. And we need to learn straight from the truth of the Word of God what it means to live in victory over temptation, this thing that we all deal with day by day. If we're all going to deal with it, then we all need to know how to deal with it. Can you say amen? We need to know how to triumph over temptation, how to be the victor. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're going to be looking at James chapter 1, verses 14 through verse number 18. Now, what I want to do this morning is give you uh, four quick points, and I'm going to be done. If you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast, and we'll be done in just a little bit. But the first thing that I want you to see when we're talking about the subject of temptation um, is that temptation really starts with many times in our lives trials and that's how James starts right here now we're primarily going to be focusing on verses 14 through 18 but at the beginning of this chapter James starts out talking about the trials we face as believers trials are testings that come our way throughout our lives and all of us from time to time we face trials now I believe that trials are certainly allowed by God and many times I think trials are sent by God in order for us to grow in our faith you say brother how do you know that well I, I, I believe I know that because of what God the Holy Spirit inspired James to write in James 1 3 look right there in the third verse he says knowing this that the trying of your faith works patience look at the next verse verse number four but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing does everybody see that the bible says the ultimate goal for the believer and that's who james is writing to is to be to ultimately be perfect and entire wanting nothing now i don't know but of one person who's ever walked the face of the earth who's ever been perfect and entire wanting nothing who is that that's the lord jesus himself so what's James telling us? It's through the trying of our faith, faith that we learn patience. And when we learn patience, we learn to wait upon the Lord. We learn to trust in the Lord. And listen, as we learn to wait on Him and trust in Him, time upon time as we're tried, listen to me now, we become more perfect and entire wanting nothing. We become more and more like Jesus through the trying of our faith. See, what I'm trying to tell you this morning and what I believe James is trying to tell us this morning in the first part of this chapter is that trials are faith food. Trials help you grow. Just like good food helps you grow physically, trials help you grow spiritually. They are faith food. They really are. I was reading something the other day from the king of bodybuilding. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Ronnie Coleman? Ronnie Coleman is respected as the greatest bodybuilder of all time. At one time, he was weighing in at about 320 pounds, but he was less than 6% body fat. Now, I want you to think about that just a minute. This cat is 320 pounds, almost 26-inch biceps, 26, but he's less than 6% body fat. You know what he said in an interview once upon a time? He said, everybody wants to get big, but nobody wants to lift any weight. <laughs> and he's right. He, he understood that if he's going to get to the place he wanted to be at physically and grow physically, listen, he had to challenge himself daily. 
there had to be some resistance. There had to be some weight training. And as that muscle was broken down and he started eating the right things, then that muscle would grow and he could get to 320 pounds with less than 6% body fat. But he realized it took daily trying his body physically so that he might grow. And this, what's true for him physically, and that's certainly true, is true also for the Christian spiritually. As we are tried and we face resistance from those trials that are uh, certainly allowed by God, I believe sometimes sent by God, as we go through those trying times, we learn to trust the Lord. We learn to lean on Him. I think it was uh, Vance Havner who once said, in times of trial, we find out many times the Lord is all we've got. He said, but in those times, we also find out the Lord is all we need. <laughs> that's good stuff. And that's what happens in times of trial like no other time. It helps us to learn patience, to look to the Lord, to wait on the Lord, to trust the Lord. And as patience have her, has her perfect work, we become more and more and more like Jesus. Therefore, trials are faith food. But then, listen to me, James moves on from trials and starts talking about temptation. That's where we'll be looking at this morning in verse 14 through 18. Now, why does he put the two together? Why does he talk about temptations right on the heels of trials. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that many times, many times, if we're not careful, we can allow trials to become temptations. You say, brother, what are you talking about? How can trials that are meant for our good sometimes become temptation? I, I tell you what I think happens because I've seen it happen in my life. Maybe you have as well. You'll start going through trials. You'll start going through difficult times of testing in your life. And in those times, that's a perfect opportunity for the enemy and for your own fleshly nature, the old man, to whisper in your ear and say things like, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let you go through this. If God really loved you, he'd fix this situation. If God was really there and who he says he is, he could stop this pain. He could stop this hurt. He could stop this time of testing. And when we begin to doubt the love of God, when we begin to doubt the sovereignty of God, when we begin to doubt how good God is, that is a perfect opportunity for us to be susceptible to falling into temptation, to falling into sin. Satan knows that. I'm telling you, and he, 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 he knows his job and he does it well. And, and many times if we're not careful, we can allow trying times to cause us to be tempted. I think that's why James put them there together. Let me give you the difference between the two. Trials come from the outside, listen to me now, and they help us to grow and stand strong. Temptation comes from the inside and causes us to stumble. Trials are allowed uh, by or at least sometimes sent by God for our good and temptations are sent by Satan encouraged by our own fleshly nature listen and, and they're meant for our harm or our bad trials are faith food listen to this one now I like this one temptation is flesh food trials are faith food temptations 
are flesh food. James puts the two together so that we can understand how to overcome. How to overcome temptation when it comes our way. How to overcome temptations that sometimes are easy to fall into in the midst of trials. Are you getting this? So let's look at verse number 14. If we're going to figure out how we conquer temptation, we got to figure out what it is. The first thing that I want to give you is the word desire. That's point number one. If we're going to talk about temptation, you've got to talk about desire. And that's what James does. Look at verse 14. But every man is tempted, watch this now, when he is drawn away of his own lust. Everybody say lust. Lust equals desire. Now, most of the time when we hear the word lust, we automatically think of sexual desire. And it can mean that, but it doesn't have to mean that. Lust can speak of any kind of natural desire. That's lust. That's what it's meaning here. Desire that we have from the natural man. Now, I want you to understand, temptation is an opportunity to accomplish a good thing, to fulfill a good desire in a way that's displeasing to God. It really is. Because all of us have been given desires that are not necessarily bad. Do you understand? That are actually God-given. How many of you know the desire to eat is not a bad thing? But when we try and fulfill that desire, accomplish that desire... In a way that doesn't please God, the desire to eat can become sinful when it becomes gluttony. Are you getting that? And that's how Satan operates. He twists and turns good God-given desires to cause it to be sinful so that we might please the flesh instead of please God. Let me give you another one. How many know the desire to drink? Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, if we didn't drink, how many of you know we, would, we wouldn't survive at all? You can't survive long if you don't put water or some type of drink in your mouth, if you don't hydrate yourself. But, you know, when that desire is twisted and turned by the enemy and we try to fulfill that desire in a way that pleases the flesh instead of a way that pleases God and we fall into temptation, guess what happens? That desire for drink can become drunkenness. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18 that we are not to be drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but we're to be what? Filled with the Spirit, exactly. So what happens is we try and we, we fall into temptation when we try and fulfill God-given desires in a way that's unpleasing to God. And Satan has a way of making all of these things sound real good and look real good, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Let's go for another one. Let's talk about sexual desire. Is there anything wrong with sexual desire? No. Absolutely not. Matter of fact, sex is a gift given to mankind by God himself. There's nothing wrong with that God-given desire. But the Bible states plainly that that desire is to be fulfilled inside the bonds of marriage. When Satan takes the desire for sexual pleasure and twists and turns it and, listen, tempts us 
to be fulfilled in a way that's not pleasing to God, that sexual desire becomes adultery or fornication. Or maybe it becomes an addiction to pornography, which is running rampant in our world today. Listen to what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 4. I want to prove to you that it is a God-given desire but must be handled in a godly way. Hebrews 13, verse number 4. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Does everybody see it? So what's the Bible telling us? Sexual desire is God-given and honorable, but it must be handled in a way that pleases God. How does it please God? In the bonds of marriage. The marital bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, watch this now, God will judge. I know that today, you know, when we talk about fornication, we talk about adultery, nobody really wants to take that seriously because the world has come to the place where they kind of wink at that sin and sweep it under the rug. Let me tell you something. God is not winking at it. And God's not sweeping it under the rug. The Bible says God gave you that desire, but you need to fulfill that desire inside the bonds of marriage. And listen to me. When you do that, it's going to be more than you ever thought possible. Do it God's way if you want God's blessing. Honor Him. Satan knows how to take those good desires and tempt us to fulfill them in a way that's displeasing unto the Lord. We must talk about desire. Now let me give you a scripture that we've probably all read before, heard before. Maybe you quoted it, memorized it. Hope you have. Psalm 37 and 4. Look what the Bible says there. Psalm 37, brother, verse number 4. And I like how the, the, the word puts this. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires. There's that word again. The desires of thine heart. Now, I've heard that taught and I've heard that preached uh, years ago that, listen, if, as, as long as you just... Trust the Lord, and as long as you keep praying by faith that God will give you exactly what you want. Is that true? No. Absolutely not, because what you want may not be what's pleasing unto the Lord. May not be His will, may not be His way. This does not mean that we are just to trust God and pray, and He's going to give us whatever we want to have. He's not our genie in a bottle that we rub the bottle and he pops up and says, how can I help you today? That's not who God is. God is the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient creator of the universe who I happen to call my heavenly father, who knows what's best for me, who has a plan for my life. And listen to me now, who's working that plan as long as I choose to continually follow him daily. That's a good thing. So what's this verse saying? What it's really saying is, God will give you the desires of your heart when the desires of your heart become his desires. When you want what God wants, when you, listen, are, are walking in his will, when you begin to realize that his way is the best way and that's the way you want, listen to me, then the Bible says he will begin to grant you the desires of your heart for in doing so, He's performing his own perfect will. When his desires become your desires. Now this is the good news. We'll talk about this a little bit more as we go further. But do you realize when you got saved, if you've been saved, 
that you received a new nature. You received the Spirit of God and thereby, now listen, it's thereby that Spirit of God that you are to operate in. Not the old nature that pleases the flesh, that, that listen, um, goes after the sinful things of this life, but you are now called as the people of God to die to the old man so that you might walk in the newness of life, so that you might walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Now listen to me. Listen to me. If we're going to overcome temptation, the first thing that has to happen is we've got to get a divine nature. You only get a divine nature when you are born into the family of God. When you are born into the family of God, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, therefore you get a new nature. Can you say amen? <laughs> With that new nature comes a new desire. Let me tell you why I want to serve Jesus. Because I've gotten a new desire. Let me tell you why I want to come to church on Sunday. Folks, it's not that you say, well, oh, brother, you're the pastor. I mean, they pay you to be here. Let me tell you something. If you, don't, if you think that's what it's all about, quit paying me. I'm still going to be here. Let me tell you why. Because I have a desire to know God, to worship Him, to learn from His truth. I have a desire to be with God's people. That's a desire I didn't used to have. I'm going to tell you, years ago, I would look for every opportunity not to be here. Let me tell you why. Because all I had was religion and not relationship. I didn't want to serve God. I didn't want to please God. I was going through the motions. But when God became real to me, when he did for me what only he could do, when he gave me that new nature that give, gave me my new desire, now I desire what pleases him. Why do I want to be a husband that loves my wife as Christ loves the church? I'll tell you why, because that's what God tells me to do. Why do I want to raise my children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Because that's what God tells me to do. I want to do what he wants. That's now my desire. Why do I have that desire? Because now I have that new nature. But it starts with knowing Jesus. If you're going to overcome temptation. You, listen to me now. Your desire needs to become his desire. Or excuse me, his desire needs to become your desire. Are you getting me? You got to look for what the Bible says there. It's all about desire. That lust that's spoken of uh, in verse number 14. Look at verse 15. Then when lust, or excuse me, verse 14, the first part of the verse. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Everybody say the word enticed. You need to know about desire, but listen, folks, you also have to see deception because that's what he's talking about here when he uses the word enticed. The Greek word um, that is translated enticed actually means to bait a hook. Does that make sense to you? Because that makes perfect sense to me as a, as a fisherman. I love to fish. And, and what I've noticed is you need to bait that hook with what that fish desires. And that's exactly... What Satan does with us. He baits the hook for what the natural, fleshly nature desires. And then twists it and turns that desires so that you might fulfill it. Listen to me now. In a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. But he entices you to do that. 
He lures you away from the truth of God to do your own thing or to do his thing. Are you getting me? Same thing we do with a fish. One thing that I love to fish with is a spinnerbait. I enjoy bass fishing. I love to fish with a spinnerbait, one of my favorite things to do. Years ago, I had a boat, and, and I would go up to uh, the Tennessee River night fishing. Some of the best times of my life was on the Tennessee River night fishing for smallmouth. If you've never been on the Tennessee River in the middle of the night with the stars shining bright and you can count every one of them in the sky and rolling that big spinnerbait and, man, a big smallmouth jump on your line, you ain't lived until you've done that. That is so much fun. I love doing that. But one thing that I always, it never made any sense to me that that fish would want to go after a spinnerbait. If you know what that looks like, it's just got usually two blades on the back of it. It's a willow leaf blade or a, a, or a, a round blades. And those blades turn in the water. They're sometimes chrome or they're gold. And then it's got what's called a skirt. And that skirt, that plastic skirt that fits up on the spinnerbait, it will flare out in the water as you twitch that bait coming and you're bringing it back to you, reeling it back in. So you've got those blades turning and you've got that skirt flaring out as you're kind of twitching that bait and reeling it back in. And man, that fish just cannot resist to bite what he thinks looks appealing. Now, I don't understand why that appeals to a fish. It don't look like anything I'd want to eat. But I'm not a fish. And, and listen to me. That, one thing that I want you to know, what tempts me may not tempt you. And what tempts you may not tempt me. Because we are all different. All of us are. But Satan knows my weakness just like he knows your weakness. You say, brother, how do you know that? Because he's got game film on you. Amen? I was watching football yesterday evening, and I noticed that when they were playing, they kept talking about the film room. You ever notice that? Let me tell you why they talk about the film room and planning for the game and preparing for the game and getting a game plan together because all throughout the week they've been planning, preparing for Saturday. Their planning and preparation didn't start Saturday morning. It started last Sunday. And they started then looking at game film of their opponents, seeing what their tendencies were, seeing what they did and when they did it and how they did it according to what was going on on the field. Now, how many of you know Satan's done the same thing with you? He's got game film on you. He knows your tendencies. He knows what you like, what you don't like. He knows how you act in certain situations. For me, he knows that I struggle with my temper. Y'all pray for me. The Lord has done a great work with my temper, and it's not near as bad as it used to be, but I still can get in the flesh and say things and do things before I even realize it. And then I think, Lord, what have I done? Matter of fact, just yesterday, I was on my way to the football game yesterday morning, the, the, the uh, toy bowl games, and I'm coming through Weston, and this lady pulls out right in front of brothers and sisters. I don't agree with road rage, but I understand road rage. I'm not condoning road rage, but I understand road rage. Because when she pulled out in front of me, I had to almost go into the ditch to keep from hitting her. Slid sideways. I mean, it, was, it could have been a very serious accident. I get up beside her in town, and she's looking at me like she could walk right through me. Like I did something wrong. And I almost rolled down my window and told her just how much Jesus loved her. 
I struggle with that sometimes. You're, I think it was uh, Brother Eric, he texted me something the other day, and it, and it was a meme of, it said, have you ever texted out a whole long message and the Holy Spirit says erase it? <laughs> I do it all the time. I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. They need to hear this. <laughs> I'm just let them know. It's, it's done. I'm done with it. Do I topping it out? God says, no. Erase it. What I'm saying is Satan knows our tendencies. He knows how we react to certain situations. And he uses it. He's got game film on you and on me. Just like Bill Dance has on them fish. That's, not how, that's how he knows how to what spinnerbait to throw, right? And lure them in, entice them, draw them away from their safety. That's what Satan does with us. That's what the Bible is talking about. And it's all about deception. It really is. Because that's what, that's what the, 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 the baiting the hook's all about. See, what you want that fish to see, you want him to see that skirt bouncing and you want him to see those blades turning and you want that to catch his eye. What you don't want him to see is the hook. What Satan wants to do is get our attention on all the things that appeal to our flesh and he wants us to forget about the hook. You know nobody ever starts out to be an alcoholic. They don't. You want me to tell you how they get there? And I know this from experience. You want me to tell you how they get there? Little by little. They start drinking the bottle before long the bottle's drinking them. Nobody starts out to be a drug addict. It happens little by little. Nobody starts out to be an adulterer. It happens little by little as you compromise little by little. So we've got to be very careful that we are not drawn away by that which appeals to our flesh. Satan, first of all, tempts us because of our desire. Then he uses deception. Then happens, let me tell you what happens according to the word of God, disobedience. Watch what it says, verse number 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. What's he talking about? When you are, when, when he appeals to that desire and he entices you, he deceives you, before long, if you don't deal with it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to sin. You're going to be disobedient unto the Lord. Dr. David Jeremiah says this so good. He says, you know, there, there's no way that any of us can keep the birds from flying around our head. No more than we can keep thoughts from jumping into our mind. You ever been somewhere and a thought jump into your mind, you wonder where in the world that come from? Sometimes that happens to you in church, don't it? Y'all sitting here in church, man, and a thought pop in your mind, you think, what in the world is going where did, how did I even, why did I even think of that? I'll tell you why you thought of it. Because Satan knows exactly how to draw us away. How many know we are in spiritual warfare? And if you don't believe Satan is working overtime in the church, then you've got your head in the sand. Dr. Adrian Rogers said years ago, I'll never forget, he said, man, when he first went to be the pastor of the church at Bellevue and... Um, the Bellevue Church in, in Memphis, Tennessee, he said, man, he'd go out every Saturday night and witness to those sitting on a bar stool in a bar somewhere, and he thought he was really battling the enemy. He said, but he realized real quick he was battling a whole lot more on Sunday morning in church than he was on Saturday night at the, at the, uh, at the bar somewhere. 
Why? Because Satan comes to church to disrupt what God is trying to do. And the main way he does that is with your mind. So you'll be sitting in church, man, and some little thought will pop into your mind. David Jeremiah says we can't keep that from happening no more than we can keep the birds from flying around our head. But what we can do and what we should do, what we must do, is keep those birds from making a nest in our hair. If we dwell on those things that we sometimes think about and we don't control our thinking and take every thought captive, I can promise you this, I can promise you this, disobedience will follow. You've got to be careful how you think. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that as a man thinks, so is he. Are you getting me? Desire, deception, disobedience. Desire speaks of your, it's talking about your emotion. Deception, it's when Satan is, is combating against your intellect. Amen. And then disobedience is when he comes against your will. Well, that's who we are. Emotion, mind, and will. That makes up the human psyche. Amen. That's what makes us who we are. Like I said, he knows his job and he does it well. He wants to cause disobedience in your life because let me tell you what follows disobedience. You need to get this. Death. Death. Watch. Verse number 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin and when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. He says, Satan comes to do what? Steal kill, and destroy. When he tempts you according to your desire and deceives you, which causes disobedience, he knows it brings death. Death to what? Well, it can mean physical death. I was looking through some old journals that I've got in my office, some preaching journals that I'd written 15, 20 years ago the other day and and I was reading through one of them, and I had a list of names of people that I were, was close acquaintances with. I, I'm telling you, good friends of mine that I hung around every day, seven of them. Seven names that had overdosed and lost their life to drugs. I was, folks, I was there. That was me. I was right in the middle of it. I was hanging out with that crowd day in and day out. That was my people. Seven of them lost their life. You mean tell you why? Because Satan tempted them according to their desire, just like he once tempted me. Satan deceived them and wanted them to believe they couldn't live without that substance. It caused disobedience, that which was a displeasing, not pleasing unto the Lord. And ultimately, it caused physical death for those folks. Glory be to the name of Jesus that he rescued me. Brother, I know what you're talking about. I'm going to tell you, there was a time in my life when I never would have dreamed I would have been your pastor at Mount Zion Baptist Church. You, sure, you certainly wouldn't have wanted me as your pastor. I know that. Glory be to the name of Jesus that his grace is sufficient 
It can cause physical death. Let me tell you what else temptation will do. It will kill your ministry. When you fall into temptation or when you really jump into temptation, it will kill your ministry. What God has given you to do. Oh, listen, you've got a ministry. God's gifted you in many different ways to serve him. Serve him. Look to him. Follow him. Don't be deceived by the enemy. Let me tell you what else it'll kill. It'll kill your marriage. It'll kill your marriage. You know what the number one cause of divorce is today in America? Infidelity. Shouldn't surprise you. When you've got shows like The Bachelor that comes on TV where it glorifies fornication and adultery, shouldn't surprise you that the number one cause for marriage is failing. And if you're, if you're watching that junk, get your heart right. If you're putting that on in your home for your kids to see, let me tell you what you're teaching them. You're teaching them that's the way you live. You know the reason for all that? I'll tell you why. Satan is still going out to deceive, cause disobedience, and cause death to marriages and families all across this country and world. Sin kills. But now listen, you can't overcome. As a child of God, you can't overcome. Look with me, if you will. Verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. There's three things that I want you to see right here. First of all, you need to realize, remember, as a child of God, God always gives good things. <laughs> he always gives good. Let me tell you what I love about the Lord. What he has done for me, what he has given me, the world has nothing to compare to it. Let me tell you what, I've tried what the world has to offer. I've tried it. I've tried the party lifestyle. I've tried to find peace in a party and a pill and a person. I've tried all of that. But let me tell you this, nothing that the world has to offer can compare to the peace of God. Nothing that the world has to offer can compare to the joy of the Lord. Nothing that the world has to offer, listen, can compare to me fulfilling God's purpose for my life because there's contentment in that. There's joy in it. Makes life worth living every day. Amen. God gives good things. See, what Satan wants you to believe is somehow God is some kind of cosmic kills joy. that He's, he's keeping stuff from you. Young people, he'll tell you that all day long. He don't want you to have this relationship in this way, and he's keeping that from you. He don't want you to try this that the world is trying, and he's keeping that from you. Let me tell you something. Your heavenly Father loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love, so much so that he put Jesus on a cross for you. That's how much he loves you. And because he loves you, he protects you. Just like I protect my babies. I'm going to tell you, there is nothing I won't do to protect them youngins. Nothing. At all times. In all places. And I don't even love perfectly. God, who is perfect, loves perfectly. 
And he knows how to protect us. And he's given us guidelines in his word to live by. Not to, to, to kill our joy. Not because he's some kind of cosmic kill joy. But because he loves you as your heavenly father and wants what's best for you. See, he knows how life is to be lived. For he is the creator of life. Are you getting this? God gives good Things. Let me give you something else. Not only does he give good gifts and perfect gifts from above, but listen, it cometh down. That's in the present tense. Let me tell you what that means. It's continually coming down. God continually, every day, is giving good things. Praise Jesus. I got up this morning with healthy babies. I wasn't sitting in. Children's Hospital in Birmingham, Alabama. Are you getting me? You me tell you why? Because the good things of God just keep coming down. I got up this morning with a text message from my wife saying, Good morning, honey. I've missed you and I'm ready to see you and I love you. And I can't wait to get home. Praise Jesus. She's coming home. I'm going to give her a raise, folks. I'm telling you because I didn't know she did all the stuff she's doing. It's amazing what that woman's been doing. We're going to talk all about that when she gets home. Praise God. Glad. Why? Because it just keeps coming down. I got up this morning, went to the cabinets, and get, folks, I opened it up to get some almonds out of the cabinet, and stuff was falling out, hit me in the face. Let me tell you why. Because it just keeps coming down. He keeps providing. I've got full cupboards and a full refrigerator. I'm going to go home this evening and cook some chicken wings on the grill. Why? Because of the good gifts that just keeps coming down. Don't forfeit God's best for what the world has to offer. Don't do it. It's not worth it. I think that's what James is trying to tell us. God gives good things. He continually gives good things. Keep living for Him. Keep trusting Him. Keep Looking to him day by day. But now watch. From the Father of lights who is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, he don't change. He's good today and he'll always be good. He's not like a man. You've been around those people that are one way one minute and another way the next. You've been around those folks. You never know how to take them. You always got to be on guard you don't know how they're going to come at you. I don't like dealing with people like that. I just want you to, be, let me tell you something. Just be real with me. Just be real with me. If you don't like me, that's all right. Hey, you can even tell me you don't like me. At least we got somewhere to start with. But what I don't need is yes men and yes women who always say yes but always mean no and then talk about you behind your back. That breaks my heart. I can't deal with that stuff. That's when that temper gets, I can't even, I'm just saying, just be real. Right? God is real. There's no variableness. He's faithful today. He'll always be faithful. He's good today. He'll always be, be good. Listen, he loves me today. He'll always love me as his child. He's holy today. He'll always be holy. He's just today. He'll always be just. He's going to do what's right in every situation. He's going to give me what I need. He's going to punish me when I need it. He's going to bless me when I need it. He's always right. And he's given me and every believer part of himself so that we might overcome 
the attack of the enemy through temptation. Look at verse 18. Of his own will he begot us. How are you begot or born into the family of God? How? Of his will. He did it. Now when you get a hold of that, that's going to bless your heart. Some of y'all are going to be riding home on the way to church, on the way from church this morning, and you will get to thinking about that. He did it. And somebody's going to be shouting on the way to the house. Truth is, you wouldn't looking for God, and I wouldn't either. We were sinful, lost and undone, going our own way, headed for, headed for a devil's hell. But by the will of God, he begat us. He rescued me. Not only did he rescue me by his own will, but he also gave me the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. How do we overcome temptation? Realize how, God, how good God is. Realize he never changes. Realize you have been begot or born again by his will into his family, by his power that now dwells on the inside of you. You can walk in the spirit and die to the flesh. How many know that's what it means to take up your cross? When Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me daily, guess what that means? The cross is an instrument of death. So what's he saying? Every day, daily, you've got to die to yourself. Die to that old man so that you might walk in the newness of life. We're able to do that because he begot us by his will and has saved us by his power and put his power, his person, the Holy Spirit in us. And he's given us the word of truth so that we can take and apply to our lives and be what God wants us to be. Oh, listen to me, folks. You can overcome. We should overcome. We need to overcome as the people of God. Amen? Everybody stand together this morning. Everyone is tempted. Nobody is exempt from it. Being tempted in and of itself is not a sin. I mean, that's, that's going to happen. It's when you choose to walk in disobedience because of the deception of the enemy and the deception of your own flesh. That's when you sin. See, the Bible says we have three enemies. The world, when it's talking about the world, it's not talking about the man across the street. It's talking about the world system that is against God and against His truth. We're right in the middle of that today. If you don't believe me, go home and watch the news. Read your newspaper. Go to work tomorrow. You'll see that you're a part of a world system that is against God and against His truth. We really are. The world is against us. The Bible says it's a world, the flesh. That's that old sinful nature that we were born into, that nature of Adam. And then the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil is what comes against the people of God. But I'm thankful this morning that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. God will do his part, but I believe he expects us to do ours. It matters what you do. Are you getting me? It matters how you think. It matters what you say. It matters the decisions and choices that you make. Yes, God loves you. 
But you can't experience God's bless for your life if you continually jump into sin because of temptation. You can't. And God wants his best for you. And you ought to want it too. Now, if you're here this morning and you know, you say, Brother, I'll tell you what, I know I've been saved, but some things in my life that I'm struggling with, I need God's help. Well, good news. He's ready to help you. The Bible says that if you um, will confess your sin to him, he'll be faithful and just and forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter number 1, verses 8 and 9, he's writing to believers there. And he says, confess your sin when you fail God and he'll forgive you. Like I told you last Sunday morning, Everybody talks about repentance when you get saved. Folks, I repent, I've repented a whole lot more after I've got saved than when I got saved. I've got to repent every day. All of us do. Why? Because the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's why. So maybe today you just need to get some things right with the Lord. This altar is open for you. If you need to be saved today. You say, brother, I can't overcome temptation because I've never been born again. I don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I don't have... The, that desire that you spoke of for the things of God. Well, if you don't, I've got great news. The same Jesus who once saved me can and will save you. You say, brother, I don't know if I've been saved. Well, how about nailing it down today? You can know before you leave here that you've trusted in Jesus. And I'll show you what that means in the word of God. Don't wait. Don't wait. You come. You want to join this church? You know this is where God's put you? You come. You want to just come pray for lost loved ones or friends or family members? You come. Whatever you need, come. Jesus said, come unto me. All ye who are weary and heavy laden. And you know what he says? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's what he says. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, he's good today. If you need him, won't you come? Brothers, play for us.